This is an Aim High U production. Today on The Purpose Lab. This is what I would tell them. First will be best, then will be first. So we're going to be the best at everything we do. Study hall, going to class. You know, the dugout's going to be swept. You know, the, the equipment room's going to be neat. And the minute it gets bent out of shape, we got to bring them in and, 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 and say, this is not how we want it. Welcome again to another session of The Purpose Lab, where we're on a mission to interview the world's most successful failures. So I'm so excited about today's guest. I know I say that all the time because I'm actually excited about the guests that we bring on here because everyone has the different nuggets that I believe can help our audience. And so remember what I always say, success is something that's viewed differently by different people, but the most successful people have understood the importance of understanding and reframing what failure looks like. And so today's guest is, do you want me to call you Dr. Barry Davis as we go through this or can I just do Barry? <laughs> yeah, Barry's fine. Barry's fine. Okay. But um, okay. I do. Okay. I feel like sometimes uh, the doctor, the doctor, you know, all that time and effort, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. All right. So, so, so I'll throw that in there sometimes. It's funny. I, I sometimes use doctor, but a lot of times I don't because I'm working with student athletes, right? And, and they have a, right. some of them will call me that some of them won't. But, um, yeah. so today's guest, um, I'm excited is head coach Barry Davis and he began his he he begins his 16th season at the helm of Ryder University's baseball program during his tenure Davis has transformed the program into a consistent contender in the Metro Atlantic Conference winning two conference tournament championships two regular season championships and qualifying for nine conference tournaments in his four, his first 14 years and eight of the last 12 so I can go on and on and on. But one other thing that I want to add is Davis is a holder of a record of get this, get this, get this 933 and 620. So 933 wins, 620 career losses. When you look at that, once again, especially when we're talking about that sport of baseball, Hitting 300 gets you into the Hall of Fame. And as I say Hall of Fame, when I look down at his bio, he's in like a thousand Hall of Fame. So I'm excited to hear about that as well. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Barry. Thank you for um, joining us on, on the Purpose Lab. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. So let's get started. So how did your career start? How did you know that you wanted to do this thing called baseball? Well, I mean, I've always loved my dad, I, I guess when I was a young young kid, I, when I say young, five years old, four or five years old, I, I think I was in front of the television set, you know, quite often, um, and, and, and sports was on. I mean, I, I don't think it was baseball necessarily because uh, I played that first. I played baseball as a seven-year-old, seven-year-old, six, seven-year-old. That's when I, you know, played organized sports. I uh, didn't play football until I was about 10 10 or 11 years old, but I've always loved football too, basketball. Uh, I had a, you know, an old hoop out nailed up onto a tree uh, <laughs> and right outside my house. Uh, well, my dad got a, I guess, a piece of plywood and yep. he nailed it into the tree. And mm -hmm. eventually, of course, the net started to sag and, you know, but I was out there and I just played and played all the time. And I was always interested in, 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 uh, in sports, but baseball, I, I seemed to gravitate towards that. I was probably more successful as a baseball player. Um, 
you know, you build confidence as a kid, you know, and you, you know, you want, you know, you don't have as, I had failure, of course, but, you know, I felt good about playing and I, I was on good little league teams. I had good coaches that now that I reflect back on it, that, um, mentored me, catered to me, motivated me. Uh, but there was always something about, about me that I, that I can't pinpoint. Um, I've always been a hard worker. I've always wanted to do well. I've always wanted to achieve. I've always been motivated, uh, still motivated. Um, and I think, um, but that's how it started. And then of course I, you know, played through youth ball, high school was, you know, a good, a good high school player, not good enough to, to play at like a power five. But mm-hmm. by the time I was 20, 18, 19, 20, I say about 20 years old, I had developed a little bit. I'm not a big guy, but, uh, was able to hold my own against good players. It was fun. And then I just decided that um, I wanted to get into coaching probably around my sophomore year in college uh, okay. because I, I really loved it. I thought um, it would be uh, keep me in the game, it'd keep me on the field. I, I felt like there was something I could teach. It was it was just a combination of things. I didn't want to quit. You know, I didn't want to go really work. That makes mm-hmm. any sense. Uh, makes a lot so of I sense. I really haven't been work. I haven't been working. In, in the sense of work, I mean, there's not, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's not work to me. Um, and that's, that's how it kind of uh, evolved. And I, I'm 55, I'm 55 and, and I've been doing this for 48, 48 years. So, so tell me this, you mentioned something and I want to hit on that. You said when we talked about work and it's funny and, and I want you to dig a little deeper and I want you to tell our audience, why don't you consider it work? Um, because you have a passion for it and you enjoy it. And, um, and I think that's a separator. Uh, passion is, uh, probably the difference between being, uh, ultra successful and just being good at, at something. And I think that's, that's important. I think that's the one thing that I would tell young people today is to listen, have, whatever you have a passion for, find a way to, to, to latch onto it and get paid to do it. Uh, because I mean, my first real coaching job was, um, I got about, I think I made $9,000 in a semester. That was part-time, no benefits, but I didn't care. I mean, that, that would, to me, that was, I mean, that was my, I mean, I don't know how you put it into a context. Like when I grew up, I loved North Carolina. That was my North Carolina, uh, basketball. Uh, that was my Notre Dame football, you know, that type thing to me. So I, I took that as, uh, it was very important. It was a junior college job. I treated it as if it was, uh, you know, the biggest and best program that we ever, that it was ever, that it was ever, in, uh, I guess, established. I mean, that's the way I looked yeah. at it. And, yeah. uh, but just passion. I think passion is the key yeah. word. So, so you, you compared that first job, that first position, because you were passionate about it. You compared it to what many would say is, is, is that top job, right? That Notre Dame, you compared it. Right. It, it, so, so. How were you able to say, you know what, I'm going to do the best job that I can do with this particular job? How were you able to, to to get your mindset set on that? Because we have these millennials and we have different people, not even just millennials, but people, period, where they don't understand that the importance of learning the lesson where you are can help you get to where you want to be. But you got to do a great job where you are. Can you talk us through that? Well, I, I, like I said before, I was always motivated to be good at something. I was always, so when I played, I always worked hard. I always wanted to be the best I could be. And, um, I, I just knew for some reason I was 24 years old and I had the confidence just oozing out of me. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I felt like I knew. I, 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 I guess I would say I walked around with big body language, you mm. know, and I was real confident. You know, chest was out. It's kind of like a walking into the arena type thing. And I, and I look back at that and I think, you know, I, I was going to be successful. I was mm. going to outwork everybody. Um, and I thought it was important. And then when I got a little inkling of success, my confidence started to build and, um, and I could see the teams that I was young. I was young. I was 20, 24, 25 years old, uh, coaching these teams. And, uh, we would win games against coaches that, that had been coaching for, you know, decades, I guess. And, mm. uh, I think it was just a confidence thing, but I always felt I was going to be successful. I did not doubt myself. Um, I think as I got older and got smarter, then you start the doubt starts to seep in sometimes because you be, you become you become aware of a lot of, a lot more things. Mm. Back then, I was tunnel vision, and it was I mean I didn't see anything else but baseball and uh, how I could win and how we could compete, and uh, the way I played, I kind of try I, I tried to infuse the players with my type of attitude. Mm. Um, and I, and I, and I think I did a good job of that. Of course, they tell me that now they're, they're 48, nine yeah. years old and uh -huh. they were my age back then. And, um, yeah. I didn't really think about it too much. I thought about just competing and winning and teaching. And, uh, and I, I didn't realize I was probably having the impact on the people that I was. Definitely. Definitely. How important is discipline to you? You talked about your confidence, right? And how important is discipline? It's huge. Um, my wife and I were driving to New York last week uh, to go skiing. Just to, I had one day off. And I said, I'm going to go skiing. I, I like doing that. I get away. And we go. We drove up New York. And we got to talking about uh, Brene Brown. Huh, uh, Brene Brown. Uh, so, you know, she's, she's great. And uh, so there was a little exercise about values. And she has a list of, I want to say there are 81 values. Accountability. Um, honesty, you know, there's a, there's a whole list. Well, we went through them and, and I picked out five or six, maybe a little more, but eight or nine values. I got them down to two. Mm -hmm. And those two values were excellence and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think self-discipline for me is so important that I, I, if I need to not eat tonight, uh, uh, dessert or not have something, I can discipline myself not to do that. Mm. I can discipline myself to, to say no to things that other people would say yes to. I think that's an important lesson I've learned over the years. The good people, the great, the people that are successful say, no, mm. I'm not going out tonight. I'm going to stay in. I got to do this. You know, I got to take care of my academics or I got to take care of, of, of something with my job. I got to take care of something with my family or someone close to me. Uh, getting up early in the morning, uh, working on my Ph.D., which you, you probably know that. Uh, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to, to work on my literature review, which was an absolute fair. <laughs> I thought that was the toughest part of the whole process mm -hmm. is trying to make sure I got that covered. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably for three months, I was up, and I even just do it now, up at four o'clock or four thirty, you know. And that's dif that's discipline. You have to discipline yourself to to do that. Discipline yourself to work out. Discipline yourself to be patient. You know, be, try to be uh, kind, you know, try to think first before you speak, you know. So all of those are discipline type 
activities or, or mindset that I that I try to carry. And so those two values is what I'm supposed to in this in this assignment that I have with myself. And the, the next 90 days, mm. those are the two values that I'm going to try to uh, live uh, day in and day out uh, to the best of my ability and see if I can. Then I'll move on to maybe a third value that I think is important. Definitely. So you mentioned Brene Brown. So take us back. Who are some of the people that helped you build this discipline? You mentioned your father and him being willing to put that that basketball, which dating myself, because I remember just getting some type of plywood, putting it up there and even uh, nailing in the hoop. Right. And that was the basketball. We did it against the garage. Right. So we would put it on top of the garage and and that was our hoop. and all the kids would come over. So who are some people as you were growing up that helped you create this um, this 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 discipline type of attitude that you now exhibit? And I'm sure that you talk to your student athletes about. Um. You know, and my little league baseball coach was was always a he was always a he's a nice guy. I always thought that he treated me right. I felt good about being at practice. I felt you know I, I never felt like I let him I was letting him down, or if I did think I let him down, he made made sure I felt like you know you did a good job today. You hustled. I really appreciate it. I just never. F- I mean, and even as I got older, I was still friends with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I would see him from time to time. He moved to Mississippi, so he would come back occasionally. And uh, so my little league coach, Neil Leak was his name, mm-hmm. and uh, he's passed away. But I think about him when I think about my little league days. I'm doing some research, which we can get into maybe a little later. Um, and I see in the old newspapers, and I think of him. Um, my high school coach uh, was was important. He was always there for me, um, you know, worked me hard. I always had good, good people. I just seemed like I had good people around. I, I didn't, re- I wasn't really in a situation. You hear a lot of horror stories today about kids, you know, and the coaches, um, you know, whether it's, you know, abusive or, or over, you know, overzealous coaches living through their lives through, you know, coaching. And um, I think my high school coach, and then as I got into college, uh, Dr. Tom Kinder, mm-hmm. He was a guy. He was you now. He's talking about discipline. I mean, he would. He would. Um, and you couldn't miss a class. If you missed one class, it didn't matter what the excuse mm-hmm. was. It would. You. You would lost so many points. You wouldn't get the extra credit. Mm-hmm. So he would have that. And if. And we never missed. So you never missed. So he taught me that. Um, so I just. I was just always. I was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky. And I probably. And you would probably agree. You know, if you go back. You would probably go back and talk more, ask more questions, yes. you know, and try to, you know, and say, hey, if I could have, what, what do you think? And as I've gotten older, um, that's what I've found that I, I need to ask more questions, you know, and and don't talk as much and listen, listen mm. more mm. and ask uh, the people that are a lot smarter than you uh, and to help you out. But no one ever gets anywhere without any help. Definitely. And I think uh, my, my little coach, uh, my high school coach, my college coaches, and then my first athletic director <clears throat> that hired me, and then he was replaced with another gentleman named Ron Case, who I uh, who I adore. He was just he let me make all the mistakes. Yeah. He let me make all these mistakes. He never, I mean, he would bring me in and talk to me, and uh, but for the most part, he he uh, mentored me. He guided me. I never felt out of place with him. He's the best athletic director I've ever had, wow. and uh, I think a lot of people that work for him could say the same thing. So I'd put him right there, um, you know, 
And of course, as I continue, there are still other people that I Definitely. I feel like I'm connected to that are, uh, you know, I'm always reaching, Definitely. you know, always reaching, trying to reach to get better. Definitely. You you mentioned a word, and I want to I want to talk about that word a little bit. You said your athletic director allowed you to make mistakes. How important is it to make mistakes? It's very important. I think we're making them all the time. I think the the glory in it is just keep making them, and the, the glory is solving them mm. and uh, trying to you know make up for them. You can't really learn anything from being successful. Mm. You know, I, I've learned everything from failure, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you make a mistake or you don't win a game or you have a poor relationship or, um, I mean, all the way down to, you know, I ran out of gas one time and I'm like, well, how, how, I mean, I've been driving for 30 years <laughs> high in the world, but I, how could I make that mistake? You know, I mean, I know it's silly, it doesn't, but, but I made a mistake. No. I didn't pay attention to something. Mm. So, you know, like, I'm not going to do that again. Mm. Um, and that's that's a that's an easy mistake that's uh, doesn't hurt anyone. It's very correctable. Yes. But you know you can make a lot of mistakes with relationships and friendships and, and colleagues and that type mm -hmm. of thing. So you learn. And I guess the other thing is too is admit your mistakes. I think that's important. It's huge. And, and I do that in practice now. Like I I typed up a practice schedule this weekend and I had something out of line. And one of my players said, "Coach, it's not supposed to be. This is not right, is it?" I'm like, "No, it's not right. It's my fault." Mm -hmm. And it, and I, I've learned that they, that the players, the people around you, and you do that, show vulnerability, mm -hmm. which is a Brene Brown, Brown word yep. that I hear all the mm -hmm. time now. <laughs> I didn't really hear that before I heard <laughs> heard that in her book, uh -huh. and uh, now I hear it all the time. Yes. But that that that's a, a form of leadership. That's a form of humility. It's a it's a admitting your mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. Uh, you know, that's why we have erasers on the pencil because mm. we make mistakes, mm. you know, it's like, don't, you know, people say plan your life. Don't ever plan your life in pen, plan it in pencil because mm. there's always changes. Love it. You know, so I, I think of mistakes, mistakes are, mistakes are, uh, you don't want to make them, yeah. but when you do recognize it and say, okay, what can I do to not, to avoid that mistake again? Okay. I love it. I love it. So tell me this, what does the word coach mean to you? coach um well it means leader it means uh it means uh teacher mm. uh mentor uh strategist mm. um the the head guy the guy that that people look up to um but it also means that you have people that you can mold mm. and uh and motivate mm. and uh, get them to do more than maybe they thought they could do, couldn't do. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that coaching's teaching, um, just the word when they call you coach, it kind of means something. It means that uh, you've, you've reached. You're not entitled, but you feel like you know you're an important part of of the process, uh, whether it be the program or the individual. Uh, and it, I find it, I have gentlemen that played for me that I thought were some of my best players and respected me and they're 46, 47, 48 years old, maybe even older. And they still call me coach. Wow. And, um, there's others that are the same age. They call me bear. Mm. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, sometimes I think, okay, there's a difference 
because the guys that still call me coach were the guys that I knew would run through the wall for me. Whatever I said, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I mean, even if they they didn't question me, it's kind of the old school type thing, you know, back in the, back in the sixties, I'm doing a research now on a whole football team from, you know, you probably saw that on my, on my, uh, my, my, whatever my bio, Uh um, you know, back then they, they, the coach said, told you what to do and they didn't ask any questions. Mom and dad said what to do. You didn't ask any mm-hmm. questions. Nowadays, there's that's all it is, is yes. questions. Um, but I think uh, the kids that played, they call me coach. Those are the guys that I knew were, were uh, they could still call me Barry, but I knew they, they, uh, they respected me and they still do. They look at me as their coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. And that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Why does that make you feel good? I just feel like a lot of the time and effort that I put in, I've I've had a, a an impact on their on their lives a little bit in a positive mm-hmm. sense, and I I feel like um, if I weren't coaching any longer, uh, would I feel good about what I've done with a lot with most all of my players? I I would hope that they would see the good in what I've asked them to do. Although some days they probably questioned it, uh, my uh, intensity or my uh, you know, pushing them to be the best. But it really, it really, I feel, I feel good when I get, I see my phone and I see the last name of the person. I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, and some people call out of just out of the blue and, uh, and just want to talk. And I've had lunch with several of them. It's you're catching up with them. It's really, it's really a great feeling. You know, it's, there, there is a lot of love there, you know, and I think that's a word that you, you don't, say a lot but you you love those guys Mm. and uh you love being at practice Mm. and you love being around them Mm. and uh some days you don't feel like that but that's but that comes with the territory you know i think uh that's just part of the game but i do i do love the fact that i feel like i uh, i had some kind of impact positive impact on their lives okay that was coach what do you think about when you think about team Well, team is a tough word to teach, you know, to team, to, to bring people together, to be selfless, Mm -hmm. to put, you know, the team ahead of individual goals, your, you know, your, uh, personal goals. It's tough to do, especially today. And it's kind of a self, a selfish world, you know, what's in it for Mm -hmm. me. Um, team is, um, you know, if we can get everybody together, you know, pulling in the same direction, when I know that you don't care who gets the credit, that's going to be that's going to be a uh, an important thing. It's gonna it's going to uh, galvanize us when you get that feeling. And I've had I've had those mm. teams where you just you just knew we were together. And then I've had the other the other side. That's why you, you, you can you notice the difference, the chemistry, um, you know, with the team. Um, you know, the leaders on the team, everybody is pulling in the same direction. I think team is, it's a hard, it's a very difficult uh, job as a coach or an organization leader to get everyone pulling together uh, for the Mm -hmm. vision, you know, the shared vision. And what, and if I can accept my role uh, on this team that it, you know, I'm going to treat my role as as I'm going to be the star in Mm -hmm. my role. 
And my role might be to be in baseball. It could be, you know, a left-handed pitcher facing left-handed hitters, and that's all you're asked mm-hmm. to do. And if you can accept that, and then when you go in and do your job. Love it. And I think that's important. So star in your role. Star of your role. I love that you said that. Star in your role. In your role. Star in your role. Love it. Yeah. Be a star Definitely. in your role. So it's, it's, it's kind of like know your lane. What lane are you going to be in? What's your lane? Be successful in your lane. So let me ask you a question. So I, I mentioned earlier um, to the audience, to the listening audience, I said 933 and 620. 933 and 620. What have you learned from the 620? Well, well, first of all, whenever you play a game, there's going to be a winner and a loser. So that, that, you know, I think I tied a few. They're not on there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think I tied like seven games. Um, And they're, they're, uh, um, I think the sixth, I mean, every time you lose a game or every time you have a, you lose Mm -hmm. the day, you know, it's like the mistakes again. Okay, now what, what did we do? What did we do in this game? If we go back and reevaluate it, what could we have done better? Will we have practice tomorrow or the next day? Whenever, whenever we get together again, we're going to improve on those on those losses. And uh, it's again a great teaching tool because you may have been uh, emphasizing these these uh, elements and components of the game all week or all year, and and it comes it comes out in this loss or losses. And you, you almost can point to it and say, you know, when we were in practice the other day or, you know, what we've been talking about here, you know, we need, you know, do you realize it now? Do you understand mm-hmm. it that if we continue to do these things, uh, you know, the losses will co- occur. But there's four things that can happen in a game. You can play well and win. You can play well and lose. You can play poorly and win. You can play poorly and lose. So I, three out of four is, mm-hmm. is okay. So I mean, so that I, if you play poorly and lose, those those not all of those six twenties are playing poorly and losing. There's some there's some good mm-hmm. games in there, and there's a lot of play. There's a lot of the nine thirty three that we there didn't play well, and and we won. So you know, so you know, I think you know the old Bill Belichick in me. I see that and I go, you know, he's never satisfied even mm-hmm. when they win. And I know he puts on this front, and I don't think he's really like that behind the scenes but with the media. But I think that as a coach, you're looking for mm-hmm. excellence, and you're looking for improvement. And those 620, I mean, we don't. We have a game. We have four games coming up uh, in three weeks, one weekend. Now, we're either going to play well and win or play well and lose, play poorly and lose, play mm-hmm. poorly and win. So three out of four is, is good. I'll take three <laughs> out of four of those. And uh, – but mistakes, again, teach, and uh, we go back and try to fix them. Love it. Love it. So let me ask you another question. We deal with student athletes. You're dealing with student athletes, um, some of which I can imagine where it's all about baseball and and, and academics maybe slide oh. a little bit, right? How do you talk to that student about the importance of being a student athlete and being able to transfer those skills that you exhibit on that diamond into the classroom? How are those conversations? Well, uh, I've been at three different programs as a head coach. My first my first job was a junior college job, um, and that's where I found the biggest gap between academics mm-hmm. and athletics. In 1990 to 2000, these kids, for the majority, were more interested in playing baseball than going to school. So 
you just you're constantly talking about the values of education. What are you going to do when you when you get older? What 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 you know? Where are you going? What are your goals? What are your goals? Are your goals to if your goals are not to go to college and you just want to play here, then you just tell me that and that's what we'll do. Then you'll be the best electrician that you could ever whatever you know take these lessons that you learned here. Uh, I had I had a wide range in the junior college level, good student, poor student. And we just tried to help them, guide them, you know, as best we could, uh, keep them interested in school. Uh, uh, because I felt like if they didn't have baseball, they wouldn't mm-hmm. go to school. See, I think sometimes, the, you know, if they didn't have baseball, they wouldn't yeah. be there at all. So uh, occasionally one or two, I don't know what the percentage is, would catch some momentum start to move forward and, and they would eventually get their degree. So that's a, that was, that was a positive thing in my career there. And then the next level was a four year school in Georgia. Students were a little better, a little more interested in, in being, uh, you know, academically sound. It was a big part. And now we're at Ryder. Um, the majority, the high majority, eight out of 10, nine, 10, nine out of 10 have a goal, have a vision. Uh, but there's an, there's an occasional, like we had a young man the other day, fell asleep in mm-hmm. study hall. Now it's a virtual study hall, <laughs> but the camera's yes. on you. Yes. You know, and when you, when you put your head down, I, I, I get a phone, not a phone call, I get an email mm-hmm. from the academic mm-hmm. coordinator. So we have a little discussion. We talked to the whole mm-hmm. team. I didn't call mm-hmm. him out. I just mentioned we can't have guys falling asleep in study hall. There's a standard here, and the standard is, and everybody that's here has been in that mm. study hall. You're not the only mm. person that's ever been in it. Go to the study hall, have your work. It's a very important. If we didn't think it was important, we wouldn't make you go. You know, I mean, um, and I mean, because we're making them, literally making them go six mm-hmm. hours. Um, but I, I mean, when you get down to it, when you bring them in, when they're struggling, like, wh- what are you, what are you going to mm. do? Are you, what are you going to do if you don't have a degree? Do you realize that a high school diploma versus a college degree, the amount of money that you make over the course of your lifetime is astronomical? Mm-hmm. And I would like to quote the number, but I, I, I've, I've read it out a couple of times. It's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, the difference. You know, um, you know I, I, I got my Ph.D. because of a number mm-hmm. of reasons. One is I wanted to separate myself from the pack. You know, I wanted to get in this group of people. But I also wanted to do something. I wanted to accomplish something. But I also wanted to learn something. You know, so there's a multi-reasons. So uh, when they tell me they don't have enough time, to, that's I don't want to hear it. That's You're talking to the wrong guy uh, because education is important to me. It's gotten me everything uh, that I have. And uh, what I may be able to get later on in life um, because of this. Uh, so I, I think it's, you just talk about it. Definitely. There's a standard we have. There's a growth mindset that I have. I try to set the example. You know, I mean, how many coaches, how many baseball players have a coach that has a Ph.D.? Not many. Not very many. Mm. And I and I I don't know if I'm the only active Division One coach. I, I think I am at this time. Uh, and that, again, that's not why I did it. I did it. But 
uh, how do I say, did it accomplish that goal? Mm -hmm. That wasn't the reason, but it just happens that that's where I'm at right now. And I think that's important. And that's certainly setting the example uh, in front of uh, young men sometimes are very impressionable. Yes. I agree. I agree. It's um when you talk about that number, and, and I, I know you may have read a little bit about me, but I was the young man who got kicked out of two different high schools and graduated from alternative schools. So never once did I think I would go on and receive an associate's, a bachelor's, two masters, and a PhD. And I always say it's not how you start, it's how you finish that counts. And so I was a former football player, so I get it. So I'm in front of all of my student athletes, but I work primarily with our football team and I'm in front of them all the time trying to get them to understand that exactly what you said. I, 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 I'm not an athlete. I still think I got it, but I didn't go to the NFL. I'm, I'm not a rapper, you know, and so I made a decision that education was going to be important for me to obtain Everything that I've been able to do in my life has been through education and me understanding the importance of education. And I believe in a four year degree, but I also believe in a two year degree, trades, different things like that. But it still revolves around education. And so one of the words that you right. use was you said standards. How important is standards? Because I'm always talking about my to my student athletes where if you're here. And you want to get to that next level. It's some things you're going to have to learn because right now, everything that, you know, gets you to this level you're at. And in order for you to increase, you're going to have to raise your standard. And so how important to you is standards? Standard is a, is a very important word um, to my players or to my to my team or anybody that I'm talking to. If I was talking to the students at Grand Valley State, I would ask them. Uh, what they're, you know, do they have a personal standard of excellence? Mm. I mean, do you have one? I mean, what are your standards? Um, you know, a standard to a team is a communicated expectation. And I would say a clearly communicated expectation. Mm. It's like the movie Few Good Men when Jack Nicholson's talking to Tom Cruise and he says, you, do you, you know, do you get me? Are you clear? And Cruise eventually, and he keeps yelling, are you clear? He says crystal. And that's what we want. We want crystal clear. And I always think what I do talk is like, you know, the movies or, or analogies or things that people can relate yes. to help you recognize that. So crystal clear expectations and standards like for us, you know, we're going to be we, our standard is go to class. It's simple. That's a simple standard. You know, we don't ask you to sit in the front of the room, but don't sit in the back of the room. You know, sit, sit, we don't, we don't make you sit in the front. Now I may say to you, you, you know, it would help because if you sit in the front, you're not going to fall asleep. Mm. You're going to be ready to go. You sit in the back, you know, that head's going to go down because uh, I've taught before and I've yes. seen it, you know, the people in front of me, they, they, I've never seen somebody fall and fall asleep right mm -hmm. in front of me. I'm sure if you're teaching, yes. they don't fall yeah. asleep. The guy in the back or gal in the back, you know, they're the ones that are nodding yes. off. So a standard of excellence uh you know we're going to get up uh we're going to work hard we're going to give a hundred percent a standard in my house would be you know we're going to keep the house clean we're going to keep it neat i mean uh, i mean every everywhere i look there's a standard mm -hmm. that i try to set and that's where the excellence and values and the self-discipline all kind of fall in there um the, the standard of being the best we can be. Uh, this is what I would tell them. First, we'll be best. 
then we'll be first. Mm. So we're going to be the best at everything we do. Study hall, going to class. We're going to be the best at me at mealtime. We're going to, you know, we're going to be polite. We're going to be, we're going to clean up after ourselves. We're going to put our chairs in, you know, we're going to tuck them under. It isn't going to look like you were even mm. there. You know, the dugout's going to be swept. You know, the, the equipment room is going to be neat. And the minute it gets been out of shape, we got to bring them in and, 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 and say, this is not how we want it. This is, you know, this is not, you know, and the old school way would be you get them up in the morning and at five o'clock and you'd run them, mm-hmm. you know, you'd condition them. You know, you, you don't mean you, know, you may not do, you have to do that. I don't have to do that as much now because I, I think my communication levels are so much better. Mm. You know, the way I can talk and I think that's Definitely. important to communicate and consistency is uh, important. But a standard, do you have a personal standard? Um, everybody has 24 hours. Everybody has 168 hours in a week. How are you going to use those hours? Do you have an AM routine? Do you have a PM routine? What do you do when things don't go right? Do you have adversity? E plus R equals O. I'm sure you've yes. heard that you know, somewhere along the way. Event plus response equals outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't control everything. Another thing is controlling what you can control. And uh, so mental mental preparation, mental performance is also a, as a standard that we try to live by. Um, pressing pause when, when things are kind of been out of shape and trying to, you know, take a step back, you know, before you say Definitely. anything and try to, you know, assess the situation and they'll see how we can move forward. But uh, standards are, you got to have them. You got to have, you got to live by something. Definitely. Definitely. I got a um, thing that I live by five P's piss poor preparation produces pain. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, so you determine what that pain is. Right. And a lot of times I think, and, and as I speak around the country, I always talk about right now, if, and, I, and especially when I'm speaking um, to my NFL athletes, or if I'm speaking to especially high school students, high school students and, and, and NFL athletes right now, you can have a Lamborghini. And with your Lamborghini, you can put your favorite juice in the tank. But trust me, when it hits the carburetor, it's going to ruin your car. So right now, you may not feel the effects of it. But eventually, piss poor preparation will produce the pain. And that bill for that tore up engine and that Lamborghini is going to be painful. And so you get to determine by that discipline you talked about what you want to experience in life. And so you talked about your research. Tell me a little bit more about your research, what you're researching now. Well, I, I mean, I've always, um, I wanted to get the PhD and I didn't really, it, I, I didn't think it would have this kind of effect mm-hmm. on me, like looking, studying, studying in the sense that I'm, I'm finding out, I'm getting information from areas that I didn't know existed, how to obtain these, these, these articles and these peer mm. review, you know, just going deeper mm. and deeper and trying to dig like, I, you know, you find this, you find that. And all of a sudden you just, you just have, you know, boatloads of just papers and information. And I'm thinking I got to put all this together. And I bought a book about how to, it's called the dissertation mm. warrior. And I've actually connected with that gentleman. He's a great guy to talk to too. His name's Dr. Guy, the book's dissertation warrior. Mm. Awesome. That book got me through it kept me focused, you know, it kept me, I had the vision to get it done, but it also kept me Focus. in line and mm-hmm. how to get to the end. Um, 
But what happened was, is when I got near the end of the, of the dissertation, I said, well, what am I going to do? I, you know, I want to, I, I like this. I am interested in it. And to make a long story short, in my mind, there's a football team that I grew up. And of course you didn't, maybe didn't know this, but I'm from Charlottesville. I didn't know that. Virginia. So this whole thing with Charlottesville, when I say Charlottesville now, means totally different. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, I'm look. I'm watching white supremacists march through the University of Virginia, the lawn mm. that I walked on maybe a hundred times mm. that I just, I just love the place. Mm-hmm. And then you have this going on and then you have the girl being killed mm-hmm. and this is the Charlottesville for three, two or three days was the epicenter of violence, hatred, bigotry, all of those things. Yeah. And that's not where I grew up. Mm. I grew up, you know, I mean, Charles, but there was a time when there was civil rights, massive resistance, which uh, I did not know about uh, until I started to research this football team that I knew was was a good team. I didn't, I heard, I had heard maybe, I don't know how to explain it. I thought there was something there. So I started to dig. Mm. There's a football team, Lane High School, Charlottesville High, Charlottesville, Lane High School, it's now Charlottesville High School, different building. From 1962 to 1967, they didn't lose a game. Oh, wow. They're the the first integrated football team to win a state championship in Virginia. Mm. Now, I'm in the process of confirming that. I don't think there's... I don't think there's a school before their championship in 1963 was won by a team that was integrated with players. Now, the school may have been integrated because it had to have been 1959, 58, 59. Mm-hmm. Schools were yeah. integrated. 59, because in Virginia, massive resistance. The governor in Virginia evoked a, a strategy called massive resistance. They shut the school down. They would not open the school because they did not want to integrate mm-hmm. it. So, and I've interviewed one or two of, of these black kids. Now they're, they're, they're older men, mm-hmm. they're in their 70s, mm-hmm. and I've uh, talked to them. But in 1959, this, this coach, his name's Tommy Theodos, mm-hmm. he's a legend in Charlottesville. He's a Greek. He, he's not even, you know, he's a, a minority. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, son of a Greek mm-hmm. immigrant. His first game that he coached as a head coach was the three days after the school integrated wow. for the first time wow. ever. The public schools in Charlottesville, Virginia were integrated on September 8th, 1959. And on September 11th, 1959, Tommy Theodos coached his first game and they won. Wow. I mean, I'm getting chills yeah, thinking definitely, about it. Definitely. But, but so that story, now that I'm digging and I've spoken with over 80 people. Um, the football story is the is the core. It's a streak, but it went on during this time period in civil rights. Uh, early on in the 60s, there were sit-ins mm-hmm. in town. Now, Charlottesville wasn't as bad as Birmingham or Greensboro. Those, you know, the cities that you hear about, the famous yeah. sit-in at Woolworths at, at, in Greensboro yep. in 1960. Mm-hmm. I think it was 1960. Uh, but in Charlottesville, it was 63 at Buddy's Restaurant. And uh, so I've, I've studied that a little bit, and I think that's that. all of that is going on, and this football team keeps winning. Mm-hmm. 
And then they have uh, four black kids on the team. Three are still alive. One's passed away. And I've spoken to his girlfriend, his girlfriend growing up in high school. So I got a chance to talk wow. to her, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's just been a real eye-opening experience. Now, my challenge is to be able to get this on paper and to get it out there. But I think I have something here that uh, we, well, you know the story, the Remember I, the so Titans. I was just going to say, Remember the Titans, yeah. I was just thinking that. You know, Denzel yes, Washington. Uh-huh. These these players say, and, and, and I don't think they're wrong. They say that movie should have been about wow. us. Because we were the first team to be integrated that won the state championship. And I don't think anybody mm. knows this. Now, Remember the Titans was a great movie. It was, you know, it was theater. But that particular, that was 1971. I mean, a lot had happened between 63 and 71. Um, uh, so so the, that, that's where I'm at with this. And uh, the, I don't know the title of the book, but if I were to, if someone was to put a gun to my head and said, listen, you got five seconds, I would be... A town, a school, and the men that came before the Titans. <laughs> That's I love it. I love it. So and um and I've tried to I've spoken with a number of authors uh to try to get uh, advice. Again, uh you know, you don't know everything. Be humble. Reach out. Have your own, this is what I've said in my dissertation, I found, have your own personal board of directors. Yep. Yes, 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 I would agree. And 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 I think that's important. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm also trying to probably do what you're doing. I'm trying to get out and speak and talk, and I think I can do a good job. I just spoke at the national convention about uh, basically my dissertation, mm-hmm. my study. It was about baseball mm-hmm. coaches. Uh, thought it went fairly well. Uh, I it was done virtually, mm-hmm. which was very Definitely. difficult. You know, like I'm talking to uh-huh. you, it's great. But back then I, I'm ta- I'm giving a 38 minute speech to two cameramen. Yes. That could care less. Yes. Yes. They're trying <laughs> so to, they're, trying on the to they're on the clock. They're on the clock. Yeah. I'm trying to have emotion. I'm trying to like yeah. draw the crowd in, but there's no crowd. Yeah. Definitely. You know, like when you're talking to 20, you're talking to 200 people. I'd have been better off talking to 5,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. And to talking to four guys, two guys drinking coffee, and the other guy filming me. But that's that's a whole other thing. But uh, I, I I enjoy speaking, uh, I enjoy coaching, uh, but I have a lot of things working now, and I and that's fun. So self discipline, <laughs> excellence, because I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything subpar. Like I don't even want to clean the pool out bad. Mm. I want. I'm gonna when I cut the grass, it's got to look just right. Yes. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but I think that's a testament to what your life has been and what you've discovered works. Right. And I've I've always said success leaves clues. And in the age of technology, ignorance is a choice. Anyone can be your and I said this in a in a in a a previous um, podcast. Anyone can be a mentor now. You can have dead mentors. You can have live mentors. But with technology, anyone can be your mentor and you can learn from the different things and experiences that they've been through. And so you gave me chills with um, a town, a school and the men before the Titans. That's that's on my head. I I really enjoyed that. So I know we're getting close to the hour and I want to make sure um, that that our listening audience really understands that 
everything that you're talking about and you keep continuously using that word discipline. You keep continually continuing to use that word excellence. And I love how you've tied your life all around to the things that you're learning, that you're being a coach and being able to teach these young men the importance of what it's going to take to be successful. And would you agree that success looks different for different people? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I think um, a lot of people will say success is how much money you make or what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you have. Um, and, and, we, and we want nice mm-hmm. things and uh, we want a bit. I would, you know, certain things make me happy. Um, it's not the nicest car. Mm. I mean, I want it to run. I want it to be clean. I want it to look nice, but I don't need to spend $75,000 or $100,000 on a car. Mm. Um, success... Um, is a choice too, you know, you got to make the choice to be successful. I think it's, are you, that's a deep question because I think, are you fulfilling the things that you want to do with your life? Are you helping other people become Mm. better? Or when someone, are you helping someone that can't help you? Mm. Like everybody kind of, you know, it's like transition uh, transactional. Yes. Like, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? If I do this, can you do this? And I think in the business world that has to occur. And I think that's okay. But if I were to help someone and not ask for anything in return, I think that would be, that's a good thing. Mm. You know, I'm looking to help people and I'm not looking to, for them to, you know, if they want to give me a card, you know, you know how you do something for someone, they send you a nice note. Yes. And you, you think to yourself, you know, I really appreciate that. You didn't have to do that, mm. but I appreciate it. Mm. Uh, I just called a gentleman today. He wrote us a check, a donation. He didn't have to write a check for, for the amount that he did. I called him and, I, and I, I was going to call him today, but I got tied up with some things. But he called me back and his son played for me. Mm. And uh, it just makes you, you know, I mean, but I didn't, I don't, I'm not nice to him because I want his money. Mm. You know, it's it's just like, I mean, I, I want to do things to help people. And I think uh, success, I think if I, what, what do they, what do they, what do they say at your funeral? Mm. What are people going to say about you? Mm. You know, was he greedy? Was he selfish? Uh, did he not care about other people? And I think there's pockets in your life where you probably weren't as good as you should have been, mm-hmm. you know, and these people probably think differently of you. Um, I had a disagreement with a gentleman and, um, I mean, he disagreed with me and he, and when he used my name, he said, Barry Davis said what Barry Davis said. And I thought about that because it bothered me. I said, when he used my last name, that told me he doesn't know me. Mm. Like if he said, Hey, Joe said, yeah. I didn't agree with Joe said, yeah. but when I didn't agree with Dr. Arnold said, mm. you know, as opposed to your first name, yeah. you yeah. know? And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it's important to, to success is fleeting. Yeah. Um, it's, there's, there's so much to it. Um, we just want to be good at, we just want to be the best at what we can be in, in every aspect of your life. And when you're not, you got to recognize it and try to do things to improve on it. And, um, think of other people before you think of yourself. And I think that is, that's what I've learned in the leadership, studying the leadership is all the leaders, the John Maxwells of the world, they want to help. Yes. They want to serve. I mean, I think he's probably the one guy that I, you know, I put at the top. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. And of course he didn't get there, you know, you know, right away. It took years to, to learn how to do that. And I think that's what we're striving for is to 
be able to help people and and um, have an impact on their lives. All right, I, I got to ask you, an, an, a, and I know we're close to the hour, so I got to ask you this question, though, because I think this will be important for our listening audience as well, especially the young men, young women, especially the old men and old women. How important is your circle? Well, I would tell I would tell young people. I said, listen, the people that you hang with, the people that you're friends with, they're going. If I if I can see your friends, I will know where you're going to go in your life. Like if I mm-hmm. if I looked at the group of people that you're with, the circle, the group, your family, uh, they're going to they're going to have a lot of influence in you. Like I always want to be around the smart people, the smarter people. The people that that I can, you know, learn from and be around, listen to. Mm. Um, so I think uh, it's like the, the what the movie, the you know, the circle of trust. Robert De Niro said, oh, "We're in the circle of trust here," and I think that, mm-hmm. and I, it's a, it's in a comedy uh, sense, but he's right. You know, you have to. You know, we're we're all together, and I got to be able to trust you. You got to be able to trust me. Uh, but the people that you associate with will have a lot to a lot to do or influence about where or where you're going uh i want to be around people that are like me that even are, are you know more motivating than me um you oh, know they, yeah. they get me excited about being being good i want to get up because of what they said definitely definitely i always tell my my athletes you'll be as successful as the people you hang around in the conversations oh. you're having So as I keep alluding to, and I want to thank you once again for joining us here on The Purpose Lab. And I know um, our listening audience will get a lot of nuggets from this. But before I let you go, we do this um, at the end of at the end of each interview. We've been doing this. I'm going to ask you five words. So I'm going to ask you five words. And from those five words, you can only respond using one word answers. Is there a time limit on these? No. No. No, it, it take as long as take as oh. long as you need. But remember, if you're on that mound, we got to get the pitch out. Oh, there, yeah. Okay? yeah. We got to get the pitch out there. I got you. All right, here we go. <sighs> Success. Choice. Choice. Many. Values. Paramount. Winning. Excellence. Failure. Required. Wow. Dr. Barry Davis. Thank you for once again joining us on The Purpose Lab. This was a phenomenal interview and your student athletes that have had the opportunity to be coached by you. I'm sure they would say the same thing. You are a phenomenal man. So we appreciate you doing this with us. Thank you, Dr. Barry Davis, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an enjoyable day. We send our best stuff to our insiders. So make sure you're on the list at aimhighu.com slash insiders.